Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I am Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Joined as I am each week by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. I want to thank you all for joining us, either video or audio, for the Talking Tide podcast. Our Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. If you'd like to catch links to the podcast, just give us a follow there on Twitter. You can catch our podcast at Apple Podcasts or really any podcasting app you might prefer. Our web host is megaphone.fm. And, of course, you can also catch us on YouTube and on Facebook. Quickly want to thank our title sponsors, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, also local in Tuscaloosa. And finally, our corporate sponsor, that would be DraftKings. We'll have a little bit more on each of them a little bit later in the podcast. Travis, we're going to have uh, a lot of fun tonight here on the latest, uh, I guess we can't call it a Sunday nighter. Here we are on Monday night following the NFL draft, and Alabama had seven picks in the draft. Travis will uh, kind of run them down straight from the top. Evan Neal, of course, goes to the New York Giants, number seven overall. You and I had talked about his viability as a number one pick overall, I, I, I think I, I, I wouldn't have blinked a bit if uh, that had happened. Uh, but the Jaguars end up going with uh, a defensive presence at number one. And from there, Neil tumbled to the Giants at seven, which I think is a great pickup for them. Jamison Williams to the Detroit Lions at number 12 overall. The Lions make a big move, Travis, trading up 20 spots in the first round. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, get into the second day and third day picks uh, a little bit later. But first, Travis, your thoughts on the landing spots for Neil and Williams? Yeah, the Jags didn't listen to us real good, did they? No. I think we were both in the corner of, if it wasn't Neil, just an offensive lineman, really. And once you saw the five defensive players go off the board in the top five picks, which was kind of a surprise in its own right, but also spoke to the lack of a real franchise caliber quarterback in this draft as well, because you're typically not going to get out of the top five picks without a quarterback going, but it was that kind of draft. And uh, that really paved the way for some potential there with Neil in the top two or three picks, but he goes seven. I think it's a great pickup. Uh, Andrew Thomas, I guess a couple of drafts ago at one offensive tackle position to the Giants, now Evan Neal. So if you're Daniel Jones, right, this is a rubber meets the road kind of year coming up, you got to think, for the former Duke quarterback. And then for Jamison, you know, I like that he went where when he went. I don't know if I like where he went. Um, but, you know, Jared Goff is serviceable, I guess. But if you're the Lions, you may be thinking, let's go ahead and try to get some pieces before – we really have an opportunity in next year's draft to perhaps get the signal caller for our future. Yeah, uh, I got some thoughts on Neil, uh, but before we hit on those, I'll just start with uh, the most recent mention first and, and the landing spot for Jamison Williams. couple thoughts on it. One, uh, the Lions really had to have loved him to move up 20 spots in the draft. Uh, don't hold me to this because I didn't do the research, but to my <laughs> loose recollection uh there hadn't been a move up 
within the first round in the NFL draft bigger than that since the Falcons jumped 21 spots to get Julio Jones in a deal with the Browns back in 2011, I guess it was, 2012. Yep. Uh, so uh, the Lions have got a lot of belief in Jamison Williams and good for them. The wide receiver is a huge need for Detroit, so no one can say they didn't address a major need. They absolutely did. The only thing that's made me scratch my head a little, about it a little bit, Travis, is that Jared Goff can't throw it deep. That's the one thing he can't. That's one reason that that Sean McVay was fine with routing him right out of L.A. and sending him to Detroit. He's a dinker and a dunker. Uh, he's he's going to beat you with screens and a, and a high completion percentage, but he's not really great at at hitting the guy who's loose down you know deep downfield taking the top off the defense that's what Jamison Williams does uh so as much as the Lions need a receiver I wonder a little bit Travis what kind of a fit that golf will be with Williams yeah I agree although again I think maybe if you're the Lions you're thinking this isn't really the big picture we envision for Jamison Williams down the road is with Jared Goff um Perhaps they're in the sweepstakes in a year's time for a Bryce Young. Maybe there's the potential for a reunion there. Um, you know, you look at some of these way too early mocks for next year. I see Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback, in some top tens, which is a little bit surprising to me. But even if you discount that sort of projection, you know C.J. Stroud's still going to be there uh, in that mix and also Bryce Young. But, no, in terms of the here and now, I agree. I think when you think about Jared Goff, you think more of maybe a West Coast type system being more to his sort of fit. Um, but if James in this scenario too, I like it because there shouldn't be a big rush to get Jamison back in action, right? I mean, if you're the Lions, if we're being realistic, you're not making the playoffs again. You know, you're not making the playoffs in 2023. Right. So you've got some you've got some viability, some flexibility there in terms of what your expectations are for Jamison Williams for, for the start of the 2022 season anyway. Evan Williams, excuse me, Evan Neal to the New York Giants at number seven. Tackling we like that Evan really Williams quickly. too, though. Evan Williams, <laughs> big fans. Big fans yeah. of Evan Williams yeah. here. If we could combine <laughs> two players on this show, it would be yeah. Jamison Williams and Evan Neal. Just Evan Williams. The Talking Tide <laughs> logo, and you'll see what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, yes. But Evan Neal, I agree. I think, uh, as you said earlier, a really nice spot for him. Yeah, no doubt. They've not been able to get out of their own way offensively in New York with the Giants. It's Jet, regardless, Jets or Giants, neither one of them. But look, you, the Giants have invested a lot of draft capital on the offensive side of the ball in recent years. You mentioned Andrew Thomas, right? Well, throw in Saquon Barkley, throw in Kadarius Toney. I mean, you can go back the last three, four or five drafts, and the Giants have been trying to put an offense together there. Daniel Jones, right? Uh, First-round pick, went six overall. There's, a, there's another one, the most obvious one. And they just can't get out of their own way. Uh, you mentioned this coming up year is a show-me year for Daniel Jones. I think for a lot of Giants fans, 
last year was the show me year yeah. for Daniel Jones. They're declining. When they don't, when they don't pick up the fifth year option on yeah. a top ten pick at the quarterback position, Chase on that first contract, you know what that means, right? Usually, sure. Yeah, Daniel Jones uh, definitely. Uh, unless things turn around in a big way, he's going to be on his way out of New York eventually. Uh, but they certainly. I mean, look, if, if you – they've got some weapons, right? I mean, they've gone out and and, and they've spent some free agent money too. Galladay, he was not – you know, they spent a lot of money on him. Uh, they've got the skill positions. they got to block. Maybe the answer is another tackle. I think Evan Neal's a nice fit. We'll see what happens. Barkley with the knee, is he really back finally? That's what you're – Right. trying to figure out too it i think that is what they would love their offense to be more about but we haven't seen it yet right not yet not yet it is a uh uh it's a it's a rubber meets the road year for sure for for giants fans second day of the draft travis will move on there john mechie to the texans in the second round 44th overall phil mathis to the washington commanders second round 47th overall christian harris to the texans where he'll link up with john mechie 75th overall for christian harris and then finally alabama running back brian robinson whose draft party down in destin florida i was fortunate to uh have a chance to actually sit in on he goes to the washington commanders third round 98th overall with a compensatory pick uh jalen armor davis goes on day three to the ravens fifth round 119th overall travis some of your quick thoughts on uh day two and three picks maybe the pecking order of alabama guys three four and five did that surprise you a little bit? I wasn't really surprised that Mechie went third of the group. We talked about this in our player draft a week ago. I, I like Harris. I, I thought it would be Harris. Yeah, I did too. Um, but I liked Mechie um, uh, the best of the the next guys up beyond the first rounders. So, um, but then Federian goes between the two. Uh, I guess there probably shouldn't have been too big a surprise once you got into that area, but there was a lot of positive buzz about Christian, especially after the 40 he produced in Indianapolis and kind of his background and what you perceive his skill sets to be strengths looking ahead to the NFL, that maybe he would be early day two uh, and he had to wait. So that was a little bit of a surprise. I was happy for Brian Robinson. You'd seen some fourth and fifth round stuff for him. So I think that was earlier than, uh, a good bit of people anticipated for, for the former Hillcrest running back. And, you know, going into day three, even as I know we'll talk about, you, you kind of felt like there was still potential for more there rounds four through seven. But, you know, day two, I, I just thought the pecking order in rounds two and three was as interesting as anything. Yeah, I, I saw Harris as the most likely guy to be the third Alabama player off the board. Didn't happen. He ended up being the fifth. Alabama player off the board. Uh, Mathis to the commanders in the second round surprised me a little bit. And I've always liked Phil Mathis. I've never loved him. I've always liked, you know, as as a player. Uh, I thought that was uh, a little high for Mathis. I thought thought Harris at 75th was overall was a little bit low. Robinson actually went roughly where he was projected. Um, 
but to but to sit in on the party, Travis, and watch Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, Rashad White from Arizona State, a couple of other backs go in front of them. Uh, it, 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 to be in that environment, it felt like it was taking forever, of course. Yeah. And he, he finally went. And there were only seven picks left on Friday night when the commanders took him. And uh, uh, much as I enjoyed the company of, of uh, the Robinson family and much as I hope they enjoyed mine, they definitely didn't. They definitely were hoping they didn't have to see my mug again on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, and I told him that as as uh, as I departed on Friday night, I, I told him I said I, I know y'all didn't want to have to see me on Saturday. They said, "No, nah, you're right, we didn't." <laughs> yeah, they'd rather have seen probably an IRS auditor at yeah. that point on Saturday morning at the door uh, than media or anyone else. You're just happy at that point, especially that late on day two, that it went down the way it did for Brian because that's a lot better sleep on Friday night than it otherwise would have been because you go into Saturday, you've got four rounds left. You could go fourth round. You could go six. At that point, you really don't know what to expect. I mean, there's uncertainty going into the draft to begin with. I think Brian realistically probably thought, you'd know more about this, that he was probably a day two guy is what he was looking at. Maybe early day three. Um, But you, you think about having to go to sleep on that. If you're yeah. not taking on on uh, Friday and then riding that into Saturday, no fun. And the catering bill goes up, right? You gotta <laughs> you gotta come with another spread. Yeah, you gotta come with everybody showing back up. Here's the good bread guy again. He had 36 wings yesterday. <laughs> he prefers flats. He's picky about his wings. No, he no. hogged all the ranch. <laughs> he all ate all the celery. Not this guy again. <laughs> Uh, you know what the the uh, the fellow that did the cooking down there was Robinson's uncle. I, I spent a little bit of time chatting with him. Great guy. He had done. Uh, he had some steaks that he bought on Friday morning that he didn't cook on Friday. He was hanging on to them just in case for Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but smart uh, man. He he cooked most. He cooked the vast majority of the food right there on Friday afternoon. Wings, burgers, sauces, nice. etc., and, and uh, it was uh, happy for them. Good eating, no doubt about it. Uh, but you point out, Travis, that uh, the the final day of the draft probably not as deep as anybody would have thought for Alabama. Jalen Armour Davis goes to the Ravens fifth round. No surprise there. Uh, but beyond that, that was it. Everybody else, a UFA. Among the UFAs, Travis, I think the guy who surprised, who to me was the biggest surprise to go undrafted was Josh Job, who signed a UFA deal with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know Job has had an injury or two at Alabama. His play has been uh, inconsistent at times. I really felt like among all these guys, Christopher Allen, Slade Bolden, Chris Owens, LeBron Ray, of any of those, I felt like Job had shown enough that, that getting picked probably wouldn't have been an issue at all. Uh, but he ends up going U- UFA like the rest of them. Yeah, I think in retrospect, if you think about it from the team's perspective, there just probably wasn't enough of an extended stretch for Josh Job with all the starts he made over the final two seasons and really all the action he saw 
over the last two or three seasons at Alabama, there just wasn't enough quality play for an extended stretch. And I'm talking about penalty free there. It, it seemed like week in and week out, uh, Josh was, was hit with PIs or holding or lining up offside um, just for a guy who had that many starts in the bank. And then conversely, teams went at him, you know, because you had Patrick Sertan the second on the other side. Um, even Jalen Armour Davis in 2021 sort of emerged as the one guy in that rotation that you didn't target as much. And so with the targets that went Josh Job's way, probably wanted to see more in the way of production, whether it was interceptions, pass breakups, things like that. But, um, you know, I think he's a guy that when you talk about the U undrafted free agent path, uh, he's got a chance, plays the right position, probably has some versatility positionally. And as you pointed out, a guy that uh, from a special teams perspective, you like a lot. Yep. Yeah. Chris Allen, uh, Slade Bolden, Chris Owens, LeBron Ray, the other four, I suppose Bolden and Allen, maybe uh, particularly Allen, I guess maybe could, could get a little bit of a look on special teams as well. But for me, if we're pick, if we're handicapping the, the Alabama's UFAs uh, for most likely to stick and, and make a roster, Job tops it for me. You like Job. Yeah, I worry about pretty much all of those guys other than Slade Bolden, who I think if you were going to handicap it, you might have Slade at the bottom of the likelihood list. Although special teams, again, something that he excelled at at Alabama. So that gives him a, a sliver of a of a hope, I think. Man, I just think if if Christopher Allen can stay healthy, he's got a chance still because he plays one of those positions of great value. And he had really come on as a pass rusher over the last couple of years. But that injury history gives you reason for pause. Same thing with LeBron Ray. So, yeah, I would probably have it narrowed down to Job or, or Allen if I were going to go with a guy there. Talking Tide Podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us here on Megaphone.com. FM and all of your favorite podcasts. Going to thank a couple of sponsors for the program before we wrap things up here on the podcast. Going to start by telling you all about North River Dental Associates and that fantastic dental service that you get from Dr. Jack Smalley and his great staff at Dental Hygienist. Conveniently located in Tuscaloosa at 1100 Fairfax Park. That's right off of Watermelon Road. Whatever your dental needs, your family's dental needs, get it done at North River Dental, porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, dentures, they do it all. They've got teeth whitening services that are extremely popular as well. They're doing Botox and Juvederm treatments also at North River Dental. Give them a call to schedule one of those. The phone number is 752-3506 or visit NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. Going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. You know mama loves those hand-dipped chocolate strawberries, that chocolate popcorn as well there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Maybe do her something a little more formal. They've got those 
box chocolates, those signature items that you can find there at Peterbrook Chocolatier as well. Mother's Day 2022 is upon us. We talked about it. Good Bread's going to be at the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. They also at Peterbrook have the horse racing theme treat. So if you're having that Kentucky Derby party coming up this weekend, differentiate yours in a unique fashion with Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Seems like there's always a holiday coming up for Peterbrook. Right? Oh, yes, we recently had Administrative Assistance Day, which is a big one. Uh, of course, Easter. Uh, now we have Mother's Day coming up. You had graduation at UA here. That was a, a pretty big stretch. Uh, and then you're going to have the summer camps that they do every summer there at Peterbrook. You can 205-752-0211. They'll get you the info on that. You can do worse than chocolate strawberries for Father's Day, too, by the way, Travis. Oh, yes. Just fine up for Father's June. Day. Yeah, good bread. He throws it out there. There it is. <laughs> Let's see how oh, it comes oh. back. Hopefully Michelle's listening to this edition of <laughs> the Tide Podcast. Yes. Right. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. The NBA playoff action is upon us. Nonstop action at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team in the NBA postseason and get $150 in free bets if they win. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? You can do it with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, and it'll get it done for you. Right now, all customers can also place a same day, same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. So download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now, use the promo code TPPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win, get $150 in free bets if they do, with promo code TPPN only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, disclaimer. We're tossing in this week here on Talking Tide, Travis. And we'll close things out with a couple of thoughts, Travis. A little bit of uh, hard news with the Alabama football roster here in the last day or so. Eli Ricks uh, arrested the Alabama defensive back, who, of course, had transferred from LSU. Uh, misdemeanor charges uh, with Ricks, no insurance, speeding, a marijuana possession, first offense. Uh, but uh, something that, you know, look, speeding and no insurance, uh, that's that's certainly something that's not addressed in a way that anyone would ever notice on the field. Now, a, a drug possession charge may be sometimes a little bit different, uh, but you, know, you just got to see how these things play out. Sometimes for these guys, uh, this kind of an incident turns into another one, and the next thing you know, it's Doghouse City. And then for other guys uh, in the Alabama program uh, who have an incident like this, it's 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 a quick bounce back where uh, you know some some maturity occurs and and you and you don't see a, another whiff of it. Taken by itself, this one situation, 
I tend to lean towards not that big of a deal. I mean, you don't want to be driving in excess of the speed limit, but who am I to throw stones at someone else in that regard? Yes, uh, you need to have your car insured, and you need to have proof of insurance at least, even if you do, I guess. Um, there are different ways to access that now, including on your telephone. Uh, as far as the marijuana, uh, we could get into a debate about legalization of marijuana, but even if we did that, I think I think the state of Mississippi might be coming in a little bit late on that. So wrong place, yeah. wrong time. Some errors in judgment for Eli. Uh, you know, an opportunity for him to you know, go through the process uh, that Nick Saban has in place for players. Uh, certainly awareness and accountability and all those things are a part of that. So uh, he'll have to go through some of that. And it's really a time of year too, right? Once you get through the end of the spring semester and you just have really on today's college football calendar, good bread, especially at a place like Alabama, you really only have about a three-week window where these guys go away. Right. And then they're back after Memorial Memorial Day weekend, and that's really the official start, for me anyway, to the college football calendar year. It's like June 1. Uh, but if you're a coach or a program, this is sort of that little stretch that you used to have to worry about more from early to mid-May to early August. Now it's three weeks. Um, but it, it, this is the season, I guess you could say, where you might encounter some of this. I can remember, and we'll get off the subject a little bit here, but just in terms of the off season, which is kind of where you took the discussion, I can remember an era not so long ago, relatively speaking, Travis, where uh, back when it wasn't just the month of May that, that, that these guys kind of had a, a window to do whatever they wanted, college football fans – but one of the first things they would wonder about when players would report for two-a-days in August was which linemen are in shape and which linemen aren't. Right. Because back in the day, they didn't all have to go to summer school. Some of them sat at home and ate mom's cooking. Oh, yeah. And, and weren't, would, even on, dude, weren't even on campus for four months. Yeah, dudes would show up looking like 48-year-old insurance salesmen for two-a-days. You know? Look like they showed up for the uh, – the high school reunion game, you know, or something. They were 46 years old. Yeah, that was those were the days. You're right. No doubt. You don't have that anymore because the, the guys don't they, – they literally don't have even maybe a month or so total year-round that they're away from it. Yeah. My man John Copeland, who I do the Crimson Cover television show with, he, he, he told me that his rookie year with the Cincinnati Bengals – he he showed up a few pounds overweight, and he said the first week of training camp with the Bengals, the Cincinnati Inquirer columnist described John Copeland as looking like, quote, three scoops of ice cream. <laughs> you know, the, the threat. Unquote. Yeah, the dread of those, you know, in the NFL the, and, they, and, and in college football, too. I mean, that was the first thing you did once you got back on campus was testing. And what yeah. that meant was you went out there and ran 110s or the equivalent uh, for time, and you didn't not run them until you could make your time. Right. Um, so that was about the only accountability that there really was, you know, other than you're you're trying to win a starting job or 
you know, you're trying to go on to the next level if you're a college player, but no, it's entirely changed in the last 15 years or so. Real quick before we get out of here, Travis, wanted to talk a little bit about the NCAA's half measure remedy for fake injuries. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, the NCAA, uh, they've got a, a rules oversight committee that I guess um, more or less rubber stamps the recommendations they get from the rules committee trying to deal with fake injuries, which is uh, a real scourge, in my opinion, uh, on college football. It's a blight, Travis, and nothing less than that. Uh, but instead of finding a way to address the problem on the field, which is really the only way, in my opinion, to address it, uh, the NCAA has instead installed an appeal process, more or less, whereby coaches who feel like they were victimized by a fake injury uh, can, after the fact and after the game, uh, send the tape to Steve Shaw, who's the national coordinator of officials, who will then uh, issue his thoughts to the conference involved and the school involved and leave it to them on whether or not any uh, punishment is doled out that's not going to do anything is it well i think the biggest issue you're going to have and the reason why they're going to continue to put different wrap on this situation and still essentially kick the can after they wrap it down the road is i gotta think liability concerns who's gonna step up and say oh yeah that guy was definitely faking an injury and then let's say you penalize that individual or you penalize that team and then a couple weeks later uh, you know, something, God forbid, happens to that player from a medical perspective, and you've come to that, you start trying to play doctor in this world today, Yeah, uh, you better have a nice policy supporting you from an insurance perspective. And so, no, I, you're right. It's absolutely become a problem, and it's widespread. But I just think, um, you know, because of liability concerns and things like that, you're just, you're not going to see – entities really take it on like in, to the effect of I think what you're saying is reasonable when you think about it just from a standpoint they're obviously doing this so if it's the same player to every game it seems like let's suspend them for a half the next game right to start yeah. the next game but I, I just think the the PR aspect of it and the slippery slope you can travel from a liability perspective or when you start trying to play doctor um it's something that a lot of these conferences and these uh organizations aren't going to want to touch well the afca had the answer the afca recommended months ago that well here's what you do if a guy needs if there's an injury timeout instead of a player being required to sit out one play the afc a said that guy's got to sit out the possession going yeah. forward. And the NCAA looked hard at that because that way you don't have to worry about refs judging. Is this guy really hurt? Right. You know what I mean? Well, but, what you can say is you're erring on the side of caution. Yeah. In that well, scenario. And the NCAA apparently looked at that proposal really hard and they came back and said, we're not doing that because we don't want kids out there gutting out injuries that are legit that they should not gut out because they know they'll be sitting a whole possession instead of one play. That's what, 
So basically the NCAA said it goes back to what we just talked about. Yeah. For safety reasons, we're not going to make the an injured player sit out of possession. Yeah. 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 And you know, and look, and, and I get that to an extent because we've had too many issues, whether it was UCF, whether it was Maryland, these were more off season type issues where, you know, things that were preventable, unfortunately led to fatalities. I get all that, but it is an issue. You know, we can sit here and, you know, talk about everything else, but at the end of the day, it, it is a problem for college football, no doubt. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Thanks for joining Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and, of course, myself, Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Travis and I will be back at it once again next weekend for the Sunday night, or I'll be coming off that Kentucky Derby. Oh. Uh, we'll have uh, a little bit of news for you then and uh, plenty more chatter on Alabama athletics. For Travis Ryer, I'm Chase Goodbread. We'll talk to you next week on Talking Tide.